I think the Christian's joy is a sense that somehow they have made it their ambition to be pleasing to God, and in return, they sense that pleasure. And that's the basis for our Christian joy. Welcome to the Great Stories Podcast. I'm Charles Morris, and you just heard the voice of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a quadriplegic who's been bound to a wheelchair after a diving accident for over 50 years. And yet she has defied all the odds, giving all the glory to Christ, of course. You'll hear more from her in a moment. She's a good friend. And so I was happy to meet up with her and Haven's new president, David Woolen, for a long conversation a few weeks ago. We'll talk about what it means to suffer, how Christ meets us where we suffer, and how we can practice living in the presence of Jesus every day. She also wrote about this in her newest book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. She combines her own reflections and insights with the timeless wisdom of 17th century monk, Brother Lawrence. It's a phenomenal book companion for your daily time with the Lord. I'd love to send you a copy when you make a gift to Haven Ministries at haventoday.org. More on that later. For now, let's go to a conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata. This is Haven Today. My name is David Woolen, and I'm sitting here with Johnny Erickson Tata. Welcome, Johnny. Good to be here, David. Yeah, Thanks for having me on. You've been on Haven many times before, but you've been talking with my good friend who's sitting next to me as well, Charles Morris, who's with us today. Hey, good to be with you, Johnny. Good to be with you, David, as well. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And Johnny, you are a well-known name. You're, you're an author. God has used you as a radio host for years. And then your ministry, Johnny and Friends, has been ministering to people with disabilities all over the world. What's it been? About 40-some years now. We will be celebrating our 45th anniversary uh, in 2024. Oh. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's amazing. It is. You have a new book that you've uh, published and written called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, and we're going to get into that, but the truth is it's just a great excuse to get together with you <laughs> and to <laughs> spend some time with Jesus. And yes. um, I thought I thought before we even get into discussing the book, there are a lot of people who haven't heard your story, and I think that you really aren't going to appreciate the book if you haven't heard what God has done in your life. Um, and, it, and it begins, your testimony begins before your tragic accident. Uh, you were raised in a Christian family. Maybe we start there. Well, my father and mother were, uh, were great hymn singers. Mm. And so my sisters and I uh, grew up singing many hymns and uh, doctrinally rich hymns, I should say. Uh -huh. And so we were four-part harmonizing on some of the most amazing and timeless hymns of the faith. So that when I had my diving accident yeah. back in 1967 at the age of 17, um, I had a basis. I had words. I had uh. hope. Um, plus, having been raised in the Reformed Episcopal Church, I knew much of the Book of Common Prayer, and I had prayers. And you got to understand, David, I was depressed. I was uh, hurting, reeling as to what it meant to be facing a future of sitting down for the rest of my life mm -hmm. in a wheelchair. Our listeners can't see that, but mm. boy, I've been in a wheelchair for 50, 57 years it'll be. And uh, it's been hard, David. Yeah. I will be quite frank. Um, perhaps our friends listening can hear a bit of a strain in my voice. 
Yeah. And I had a couple of bouts with double pneumonia recently and deal with chronic pain and um, other deterioration of my vertebrae. And yeah. so it's it's a challenge to sit, in a, sit up in a wheelchair every day. Yeah. But it is my call to lean hard uh, on the grace of the Lord Jesus, and that makes the difference. Yes. There's a little biography of your life at the front end of this book. You were talking about how at the beginning before you got into the, the diving accident, you were you were in a difficult spot in your walk with God, and God used that, in a sense, to, to get a hold of you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, I don't know how deeply to go with this, but um, right before my accident, I had professed Christ, obviously, but mm. I was a teenager with lots of mm. raging hormones, mm. and my boyfriend mm. and I were fooling around doing things on Friday nights that we just shouldn't have been doing. And then getting up on Sunday morning, I'd go to church, yeah. confess it all. And then the next Friday night, we'd be in the back seat of his car, and it was a whole different story. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, after um, this uh, months and months of being with my boyfriend, I, I was, uh, I was uh, enslaved. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, like Galatians says, do not let yourself be yoked again yeah. uh, to a yoke of slavery. And there I was. I was uh, so enslaved to my own sin, I, I could not break free. Yeah. And so I pleaded with God uh, right before I graduated from high school, right before mm-hmm. heading off to college, where I knew I would only get into deeper mischief. Mm-hmm. I prayed, God, please do something, anything yeah. in my life to jerk it right side up. And uh, then shortly after graduation, yeah. I broke my neck. Yeah. And I was dumbfounded that this could possibly be this couldn't be an answer to that prayer. Yeah. Um, and it seemed preposterous and impossible at first. And to me, uh, very cruel that God would take me so seriously. <laughs> but I've learned over many, many years that um, God's purposes are always wise, specific, and good. Yeah. And we may not understand them at first, right. but in time and with trust, uh, he makes it plain. That's right. That's right. Well, and I appreciate the the connection that I think your your life and your your love for the Lord so powerfully demonstrate that there is a connection between suffering and what God does in us as He sanctifies us. There is a there's a purpose that that He alone is sovereign over, that is part of His goodness in our lives. Well, David, that's just it. I've learned to see God's goodness and his richness and his sweetness and his intimacy and, mm. and everything about him that I absolutely adore and, and I, I worship and I, mm. I, I'm blown away by his, his ability to satisfy me Amen. so sweetly and so richly. Mm. And honestly, David uh, and, and Charles, I don't know that I've shared this with you even, there, there are times I lie on my bed at night, even now, 56 years later, and I, I say, thank you, God. You were, you were so wise and not letting me wander down that path of destruction and hang myself spiritually. You, you rescued me. You pulled me back from the edge of the cliff. Thank you for that diving accident. I don't know that many people would understand that, but, but that's how sweet Jesus is to me. He far supersedes the inconvenience of paralysis. The satisfaction I enjoy in him is so much richer than anything I could have had walking uh, or using my hands. And Johnny, let, let's go back. Let's talk about the prayer that you prayed before the accident. And, you know, people have said, be careful what you pray for. God answered your prayer, but not in a way you would ever have expected. Not at all. Not at all. 
Um, but suffering is the textbook that'll teach you who you really are. And it'll sandblast you to the core. It'll reveal the, the true individual that you are. And I think that, that is what helped me the most um, after my accident. I saw uh, how desperately, spiritually needy I really was and how I was not the paragon of virtue that I projected to my friends on Sunday morning. And that being a hypocrite is, is worse than hell. And I didn't want to live like that, Charles. And so I'm grateful that uh, even though it, it was very, very hard, impossibly hard at first, I would uh, wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I cannot do this. I cannot do this level, this depth of suffering you have for me. But I, I'm going to believe that I can do all things through you mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. strengthen me. Mm-hmm. So if I can't die, then mm-hmm. Jesus, please show me how to live. Mm-hmm. And uh, he certainly has these many, many years. Mm-hmm. So grateful. Mm-hmm. So grateful. So in the years that followed that, that point, and I, I know you've said the first years were very, very hard. And, and dark in some ways as you were battling through the, the prospect of what the rest of your life was going to look like. But, but then the Lord began to just give you these, these, these gifts of the books that you were reading and this fellowship with this group of young people that were surrounding you there on the farm. And you had these, I don't know what to call them, maybe conversation partners with people like, like Brother Lawrence. How has God used those influences early on to shape who you became? Well, back then in the uh, 70s, uh, early 70s, late 60s, Brother Lawrence's book, The Practice of the Presence of God, was uh, phenomenally popular. I mean, anybody and everybody who came to Christ, uh, that's what they were reading. Uh, The story of a Carmelite monk who, in the 1600s, raised in a a very poor family in France, had uh, joined up to fight in the Thirty Years' War in Europe, one of the most savage, brutal wars uh, to be fought on that continent. He became severely lame, Mm. found his way to a monastery, opened his heart to Christ, and the brothers at that monastery assigned him these uh, menial tasks of getting down on his hands and knees and scrubbing the latrine floors and then uh, scrubbing the pots and the pans in the kitchen and and, uh, the hallways and Well, as he was doing these menial tasks, he uh, opened his eye to the presence of God in these very ordinary uh, responsibilities and duties. And um, they were nothing glorious, uh, very humble, and yet these were the ways in which God revealed himself to Brother Lawrence. Mm. And so at a young age, I read his, um, his entries in his book and was fascinated, but it was one of those things where... You know, I put that book on the shelf, and it stayed there collecting dust for a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And then, David, uh, during COVID, Mm -hmm. back in 2020, um, all of us were sequestered away in our living rooms, and and we were all pulling off books off our bookshelves, old books to reread, and this was one of them. I I picked up that dusty old copy, and I reread it, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is what I'm doing. Oh. I'm practicing the presence of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Maybe my uh, duties are not amongst pots and pans, but they are amongst leg bags and urinals and bedpans. And, and I see Jesus in all these things. 
all these uh, symbols of need yes. and difficulty. And so I decided to, uh, to lift out of my journal, because I, I journal everything, um, and put it into this book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. Brother Lawrence talks a lot about God. That's right. But I like to talk a lot, a lot about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you picked up this book again, and you were reading it with a different set of eyes uh, that, that had been informed and taught and shaped by Jesus over decades of following him, and suddenly you're reading Brother Lawrence, and it feels like, I understand this differently than I did before. Absolutely. Because you've been doing this. And David, you mentioned earlier the groups, the friends around yes. me, and I think that's what also helped hmm. shape my, um, my, my spiritual growth, yeah. because it wasn't just me as some renegade maverick reading alone, but I was in community. These were people who uh, we read together, and they lifted me up out of social isolation. They, they, they kept me connected to reality. Yes. They, they dissipated my depression by treating me not like a cripple, but their friend. Mm. And so uh, I think so much of my spiritual growth, yes, of course, is the grace of God through the scriptures yes. and good books like The Practice of the Presence of God by yes. Brother Lawrence, but also but I can look at my spiritual formation and have a lot, a lot of friends to thank for it. Yes, yes. One thing I was curious if you would want to speak to, because I'm thinking about what this might sound like in the ears of a 21st century American. You know, our spirituality is cafeteria style, make it your own and invent it for yourself. And someone might be listening to this and thinking, well, practicing the presence of God, I do that on the golf course every weekend, or you know, my sanctuary is nature, or you can fill in the blank. That's not what Brother Lawrence is talking about here, and that's not what you're talking about. Right, right. Uh, we all wanna be joyful, whether it's on that golf course or even in the cafeteria line. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanna be joyful Christians. Mm -hmm. But um, when you read the Bible thoroughly, you understand that God shares his joy on his terms. That's right. And those terms call for us to, in some measure, suffer as his precious son suffered. Um, grace is not cheap. It comes at quite the cost. Yes, it does. And that's the cost of uh, the blood of Jesus. And so if we want to get to know this man of sorrows, acquainted with our grief, this Jesus who, mm -hmm. who was ripped to shreds and hung up to dry like a bloodied piece of meat on a hook, if we want to get to know him and his sweetness and his nearness, we will have to suffer in some measure, yeah. not the amount, but we're going to have to taste deeply mm -hmm. of afflictions. God, mm -hmm. God wants us to feel our afflictions deeply. Yes. We want to escape them. Right. We, we want to run away from our weakness. God wants us to feel them deeply so that we might also feel our need of him. That's right. And, and David, I will be quite frank, do not think that I'm some, mm. you know, saint on a pedestal here talking as though, uh, oh, all that's behind me now. Mm. I mean, all the afflictions <laughs> back there. But every day, especially as I get older, mm. uh, it gets harder mm. and harder. Um, but I'm so grateful that uh, whether it's my wheelchair or whether our friends listening, um, well, they're not dealing with a broken neck, but maybe a broken heart mm -hmm. or a broken home, yes. um, broken pride, they too can understand this important path down the road to Calvary to come to know Jesus better. And it's a yeah. road which is always rocky, full of potholes, yes. uh, stony, difficult, painful. But when we uh, come to the cross, wow, mm -hmm. there's life. 
Let me ask you a question, Johnny. You told me two, three times ago, whatever, that you have outlived the life of a quadriplegic. So talk to us about that. I sure have. But then can you go on a little more detail about what is it like? Some people may be wondering, what's she talking about? Practicing the presence of Jesus, especially mm. when you're bound to a wheelchair. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, well, um, first, yes, Charles, it's most unusual that uh, I, I'm sitting up in a wheelchair here today with you, smiling, <laughs> in relatively good health. Um, people, quadriplegics, just don't live as long mm. as I do. And that is uh, a gift of God for which I'm very grateful. But in terms of practicing the presence of Jesus, l- let me just give you a quick example recently. Um, I was in the hospital uh, 26 days with double pneumonia. And you could look at that as a rude detour into an otherwise you know, pleasant highway. But God took you off on this detour and said, oh my goodness, what is this all about? Well, I guess I'll just have to plow through this until I can get back to life as normal. No, the detour is the highway. Mm. The detour is the path. Mm. That is where God wanted me to be, mm. which meant that there were kingdom purposes far mm. beyond just me getting mm. my lungs cleared. And so every time anybody came into that hospital room, Mm-hmm. I had to pray to find ways to drop gospel seeds into their heart. Um, I remember one nurse, a male nurse named James, um, at 4 a.m. he came in to take my uh, blood pressure, temperature, respiration, and uh, as he I going, hate those 4 a.m. visits by a nurse <laughs> in the hospital. Right, right. They wake me up. Right, know? they wake me up too. <laughs> and uh, anyway, as he was uh, putting the blood pressure cuff on me, I looked up at him and half dark it was in the room. I said, oh, James, you remind me so much of Jesus. And he, he looked at me askew. And I said, well, no, no, listen to me. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that Jesus, who is my Savior, whom I love, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. James, look at this. You're serving me, and you're doing it so well and so professionally. You, you, you are just like Jesus. Okay, right there is a way you practice the presence. You bring him into that moment, and, and you make other people experience his reality. Or uh, the, the ladies who would come in with the cafeteria tray, mm. um, I would quote to them uh, Proverbs, I think it's 14, verse 31, where it says, he who is kind to the needy honors God. <laughs> ladies, you are honoring my Savior, and I'm so grateful for that. Charles and, and, and David, that should be the way the Christian mm-hmm. life should be lived. Mm-hmm. I should not be the exception. Yes. Any Christian who ends up in the hospital for any length of time, that is their kingdom territory. Mm-hmm. And the captain of our salvation has marching orders for us. Mm-hmm. And it, it is all about making Christ real to the people you encounter. That's the way we practice the presence of God. Mm-hmm. We look at a rose and we just don't admire um, how uh, it was pruned or shaped or its color. We just don't focus on the rose. We look at that rose and say to it, oh my goodness, little rose, look at how you reflect the glory of your creator. Look at the colors he designed into you. Look at the beauty he invested in you that I might give him praise and glory for this special moment. Look at you, rose, you, you are a part of the glory of God. I mean, this is, you might think it's silly. This is the way I think. 
This is the way I talk. It's the way I live. And David and Charles, it gives me such pleasure. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Christian's joy is a sense that somehow they have made it their ambition to be pleasing to God, and in return, they sense that pleasure. And that's the basis for our Christian joy. Amen. It Amen. really is. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Haven today, and you're listening to Johnny Erickson Tata, and I wish you could see this because the joy of the Lord is just all over your face. (laughs) What you're sharing with us is the way that the Lord has taught you to live your life in Him. And you've, you've written a book that in some ways, the kinds of just short thoughts, meditations that you've been sharing with us, you've, you've put a book together and we've, we were talking about Brother Lawrence a little bit earlier. Tell us about what this book is and why you wanted to write it. Well, um, too many of us skate the surface of our Christian walk with Christ. Um, we keep him at a distance. We, we, we're satisfied with a little bit of theology a little bit of prayer. We're satisfied with a little bit of church attendance, Mm. a little bit of fellowship, but we just don't want to be thrown out into the deep end. Mm -hmm. We are happy to wade the shallows where life's a bit more controllable, um, comfortable, convenient, easy, Mm -hmm. but usually it is suffering or affliction which heaves us. God just picks us up and heaves us out into the deep end where it is so deep, mm-hmm. n- no one can touch bottom but Christ. And so you cling to him in the middle of that affliction that you feel at times will overwhelm you, drown you. And you, you, you learn to see that your sweetest, most precious moments are not back by the shoreline, yes. not where life is mm-hmm. easy and convenient and controllable, yeah. but when you are totally availing yourself, throwing yourself at the mercy of God. Yes and uh, leaning on him day by day. Um, Just this morning coming here, um, I was going down the hotel hallway and I encountered a a maid who was pushing a cart to clean the rooms. And I don't know much Spanish, I really don't. But I just said to her, gracias por su trabajando, señora. Thank you for your work, señora. Oh, she said, thank you, in Spanish. And I, I said, yo conoce Jesus Cristo. E, e, uh, I, I'm not even going to try and mishmash my Spanish here, but basically uh, she was able to understand that I'm a Christian, mm. and I have a smile, and I sit in a wheelchair. So I continue wheeling down the hallway, expecting her to connect the dots, which she will. This lady knows Jesus. She stopped to encourage me, and she's mm. afflicted. And She's going to remember that the next time she goes through her own affliction. That's right. Again, small ways that we practice his presence. That's right. And I want everybody to live this way. That's right. To be open and alive to, to opportunities to advance the kingdom around us. And uh, none of us has a small part. Um, it could be played out in a hotel hallway with a, with a hotel maid. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one last question for you. And there's someone, and I won't share the details of this, uh, but it's in the back of my mind. I'm thinking of this person who is is now in her 70s and the physical afflictions of aging have begun to really set in. And this is the moment when she's realizing that it's going to be harder from this point onward. And the physical suffering may not let up from this point onward. And there is a, a sadness and even a little bit of a depression that that can bring in. And 
I, countless people are listening right now with all different versions of that same kind of story, realizing that there is a present sadness that may never change for the rest of my life or a present suffering that will only increase. And when that moment comes, there's a choice to make. There's a, there's a response to God that we can have. What, and your ministry has been speaking to people facing that, that moment in sometimes very severe circumstances. What do you say to them? How do you counsel them? How do you point them to Jesus? Well, if they really want to move forward into life, even though it is extremely painful, my advice is to memorize mm -hmm. as many Bible promises as you possibly can. Um, promises like Second um, Corinthians chapter four verse eight: mm -hmm. Though I am hard pressed on all sides, I will not be crushed. Promises like God is our ever-present help in this in this mm -hmm. in this danger. Mm -hmm. um, promises like He will never leave me nor forsake mm -hmm. me, because the, the, these are the promises, a whole yeah. treasure trove of promises that we bring to the throne of God, yeah. and we bring them there so that God will exchange them with a blessing That's that right. they guarantee. Um, right. I do this with my pain all the time. Um, there are nights when it is so hard. It's just so hard. And I could collapse in fear, mm. but instead of fear, I grab hold of a promise like Second Corinthians 4, mm -hmm. verse 8, and I say, pain? You are out to try to crush me, but you yeah. can't and you won't because God yeah. promises that I will be freed from it, right. that he will see me through. So I walk into my pain, as it were, in my mind's eye, as though I were walking into the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm right there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and, and I expect to see Jesus. I expect to see the Son of God. I expect yes. to, that he will rescue me in this. And then, David, because I have taken that promise to God and he has exchanged it for the blessing it guarantees, I meet Jesus. Yes. It's as though he has gone there into that place of pain ahead of me and he has transformed it into a, a, a place of glorious resurrection and hope. Mm. And I just get to know him better and his sweetness and nearness sees me through. Mm. It, it, I, I don't know how to describe that he really is that much ecstasy mm. and and it makes the affliction indeed seem at the time light and momentary mm. compared mm. to not only the present moment of joy with him, but to know that I am enlarging my own eternal estate. I'm stretching yes. it. I'm I'm making possible for me to one day experience more joy yes. and service and worship. That's right. You know, all those wonderful things. So uh, do not be ashamed of your weakness. Boast in it. Go to the Lord tomorrow morning when you feel like you don't have strength to get out of bed and say, I cannot do this. I cannot. Be honest with God. But I can do all things, even this day, through you as you strengthen me. And then act on that prayer. Get out of bed. Move forward into the day, uh, rehearsing that, that promise often. Thank you. Thank you, David. What rich, good questions. And thank you for highlighting uh, my new book, The Practice of the Presence of oh, Jesus. This is, this is wonderful. I, I said this on our drive out here. I only have, I've limited real estate on my nightstand. A.W. Tozer's got a great book that's always there. 
I'm adding this one to it. Wow. This is, these are good meditations, deep, deep thoughts. It's the kind of thing that you want to read and let that be the last thought mm-hmm. of the day. Could I ask you, would you pray for the, the person who is identifying themselves with the things that you've just said and said, I, I, I need to experience Jesus mm-hmm. like this? Would you close us in prayer? Oh, Father God, precious Holy Spirit, blessed Savior, the great God of the universe, the triune God for us, never against us. How grateful we are for these moments together. And Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone whose heart has been stirred by these truths. I pray that as uh, they go throughout the rest of their day, they'll remember the richness of your promises and help them, each of my listening friends, to memorize even more promises that they might bring them before your throne uh, so that you can exchange them for the blessings they guarantee. And oh, what blessings you have in store for us. So I pray for my friend that you'll give uh, her or him strength, um, give him courage, perseverance, patience, endurance, all the things necessary uh, to move forward into life. But also, Jesus, your rich, abiding, abundant, overflowing joy. I pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Johnny Erickson. Thomas. Thank you. Oh, thank Very you, much. sirs. Thank you. Good to be on. Thank you for joining David Wollen and me on today's episode of Great Stories. I also want to thank Johnny Erickson Tata for this conversation we had when I was in California just before Christmas. The last time I saw her and Ken in person was over dinner, just before the start of the pandemic. I'm so glad we were able to spend more joyful time together in Orange County, California, the home of Disneyland. And now I want to remind you that we have her new book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, available for your gift to Haven Ministries. Come and visit haventoday.org to find out more. If you want to hear more conversations like this, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, help us get the word out. Leave us a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover more episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories.